0: everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca.
1: And I'm Landon.
0: And as you can see, we have some extremely interesting and intriguing guests on with us tonight. We have Meg Griffiths. How are you, Meg? Good. Thanks. How are you? We are great. And we have Jaron Brophy. You may notice a similarity in last names on the screen here, and we will explain that when we land it.
1: We will, yeah. Uh, an interesting, uh, interesting case tonight. <laughs>
0: an intra a case, a case study. No, this is going to be a really interesting episode because. Len and I, of course, talk about our different kids. He has four kids. I have three kids. They're all of the age where you're either getting married or you're dating. You know, everybody's a young adult. I have a son on a mission, as I mentioned all the time. He's not dating. I don't think. I don't know. But he does have a lot of pictures with sister missionaries. So maybe we'll see. <laughs> anyway, what we've talked about is the difference between... um perhaps being a TBM, a faithful Latter-day Saint, which, uh, you know, my sons are and their dating experience um, in kind of the Morador corridor, right, where there's a heavy influence of faithful Mormons versus the experience of people that are perhaps more nuanced or maybe even a post X kind of a Mormon. And and just the ability to find community, to connect with people, to go on dates, to interact, um, even relationships with roommates, classmates, all of that. It's very different depending on which side of the coin you fall on. So we have um, some guests on tonight. We have a representation of that exact demographic that we're talking about, Jaron, right? Right in the heart of Utah County, dating and doing his thing. So we're really excited to hear from him tonight. And then we have Meg, who has a background that can help us um, talk about some of these other topics around this. So Landon, why don't you go ahead and share the bios of both and we will just dive right into the conversation.
1: Okay, we'll start out with Meg. Uh, Meg Griffiths, uh... Uh, After experiencing transition in faith and looking for community, Meg Griffiths became associated with Thrive and started volunteering at local events. That's that's how we met her and and know about her. As an unpartnered person herself, she noticed a need for a group of singles within the larger sector of post-Mormonism. And as a passion project she accidentally landed on, she co-created and continues to lead Singles Thrive. This group is designed to bring people who aren't permanently partnered together for support and to form connection while experiencing the loss of Orthodox faith. Singles Thrive hosted their first event in October of 2021 and has since grown to over 700 individuals. In her professional life, Meg is a relationship scientist and educator. She has a private practice called GROW, that's G, period R, period O, period W. with Meg, with a data-driven purpose of guiding relationships and overall wellness, so that's what GROW stands for, and is contracted to work for uh, Mood Psychotherapy and Coaching owned by Gabby Accord. She works with individuals and couples on their love lives and relationship skills, as well as with people experiencing faith changes. She is a trauma-informed, queer-affirming, and face spectrum friendly practi- practitioner who is currently accepting clients virtually or in person. Offices located in both Provo and Bountiful, Utah. In her spare time, you can find Megan enjoying nature with friends, advocating for social justice, trying to save the planet with her slight recycling obsession, or having solo karaoke and dance parties as a regular and fun self care practice. So
0: well, I'm on board with that for sure. The karaoke dance parties—that sounds amazing. This is going to be a great conversation. Perfect.
1: That's right, and I can't I can't think of anyone better uh, to to be on this show uh, with. Uh, my son, who uh, I tried to put a bio together for him, but he's 19. So he really hasn't accomplished a whole lot. So that is
0: not true. Not true at all. And you know, it.
1: I'm going to make him sound as appealing as possible for those ladies
2: out there. Not much to me. Not much
0: to know. (laughs) Are you saying we're becoming Mormonish dating now? That's right. That's what our (laughs) podcast is all about. Okay.
1: I have to say I'm thrilled because this is the first time I've ever seen him with a cute girl. So Meg, thank you for coming on. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Okay. So Jaren, with the is, bio.
1: Yes, Jaren is currently a marketing major at the Yale of Utah, also known as UVU. Right. Uh, he works in international finance, which means he works at a data call center for a bank and, uh, uh, he's currently up for rookie of the year at the UTFL football league. He plays in a football league with a bunch of old men that he can outrun. So he's, the, <laughs> he's the rookie of the year this year, or he's up for it. Uh, he'll find out Friday, uh, the most important thing that he's done is he spent the last five months growing that mustache that you see there.
2: (laughs) I will have, you know, this was like two weeks. All right. Two two weeks. Uh Okay.
1: We don't believe your dad.
0: We don't believe a word. Your dad is saying, don't you worry.
1: Go with that son. Go with that. (laughs) But Jaron is uh, currently he's uh, looking for dates. (laughs) as he's, oh he's gone to uvu and he's had a he's had an issue and i'm gonna let we're gonna turn it over to him and kind of let him tell a little bit about his experience because he he grew up lds he's now uh he's now a post mormon uh we actually got to have a good talk a week or so ago uh about yeah. some of his beliefs and what he's he's trying to figure out where what his beliefs are uh but he's down at uvu he's got a he's got all of his friends, all of his roommates, the girl he was dating, they were all leaving on missions. Uh, you know, they all think he's a, a, the apostate uh, of the room because he doesn't believe. And yet he still, he likes the LDS values. So he he tries to live those and he's associated with that. So that's kind of the group of people that he hangs with, but it leaves him kind of out in the dark there with when it comes to dating, because uh, if he finds someone he wants to date, uh, they, you know, Check his temple recommend and his uh <laughs> sacrament attendance and, and garment
0: lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, <laughs> so uh I'll turn it over to to Jaron, let him uh explain a little bit more about uh himself and his situation.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Um so obviously after my dad left the church, uh, my family kind of came along not too long after. Um this was during high school, and so during high school um it, it wasn't too difficult not being a member of the church because I already had friends in that area um and so I, I kind of already knew these people that I got along with um but then after high school graduated it's time to move on to college all my friends that I know are now on missions um I'm now down here in this new area in Utah County which is just uh it's just a completely different area uh, everybody here seems to be a member um and so it's been very difficult to find like a group of people like my, my dad said I um you know I was I used to be a member and so I still like to associate myself with those people that kind of live the same values um but not necessarily that are still attending the church and so it's hard to find the those people um cuz it's kind of the way I found it is they're either a member or they're like in extremely um kind of out of that zone um And so that's kind of where I'm at right now.
1: So
0: yeah, that's a very good description. Sorry, go ahead, Landon.
1: Yeah. So uh, Jaron, just a little bit. uh, If you want to, if if you feel comfortable with it, if you can just describe a little bit about what your belief is now and what you're, you know, what you're uh, struggling with uh, as far as knowing where you are with your faith or or no faith and and how that's kind of affected your discussions with your roommates and and the friends that you hang out with or date
2: yeah um so i've i've tried to actually have conversations with my roommates and it's kind of i don't like to have the conversations with them because it's a little more difficult because if i try to kind of give out what i believe or what i think they'll kind of shoot it down instantly and be like well that's not what they mean or that's not correct and it's like i don't really get my own opinion in things um, I would say at the moment, I do consider myself atheist. Um, I, I did have some time um, trying to figure out just recently, I've been going through kind of a faith journey. Uh, I'm trying to figure out kind of if I believe in um, a God or any kind of higher spiritual power. Um, I, I definitely don't believe in the LDS church, um, but after talking to my dad, um, we, we definitely had a good discussion about a week ago where he kind of helped me open my eyes to see, um, kind of the way that he thinks about things. And I agreed with him on almost everything he said. Um, he talked a lot about, um, if God is an all knowing, all loving person, um, then why are there so many problems in this world that, um, that God could have stopped or, or used that knowledge or love that he has. Um, and so he kind of helped me open my eyes to, to kind of help me realize that, I don't really need to base what I do every day in my life on what a God thinks. I can think about, um, kind of more in my own perspective, um, and live my life for me and not anybody else.
1: I want to point out here, I'm, I'm really a proud father right now, because I actually have a recording of my son saying, I agree with my dad. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're going to edit that part out, Jaron. So that will not be held over your head for the rest of your life. So, (laughs) No, I just have to say that Jaron is leaps and bounds ahead. I mean, those of us that spent decades, in my case, and Landon too, five decades in the church, you know, even if you had these thoughts maybe in the back of your head, which maybe I've talked to Landon before, he kind of did, I kind of did, you you didn't do anything about it. You weren't brave enough or ready to just come out and say, this is who I am, this is what I feel, this is my life, and I'm going to make my decisions based on this. So I want to commend Jaron for just being able to express himself so well and just to for being so authentic in his thoughts and feelings. I think that's wonderful.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I,
1: I want to ask him if he can tell a little bit about his dating life. I know that's, uh gets a little personal, but uh he's got kind of a funny story with uh he got on a dating app. I finally tried to convince him, you know, that if he's not meeting girls at school or whatever to which is funny because he lives in the on-school housing, but uh you know, I keep telling him shave the mustache and maybe you'll get a date. But uh
0: <laughs> the girls like the mustache, the girls, like the, the girls to be known. like the look.
2: I want it to be known I had a date yesterday. Okay. okay. <laughs> so-
0: <laughs> yes. Let us not make Jaron look pathetic. The mustache he is, is not. doing
2: something right. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I want to have him explain. He, he got online, and and what app did you
2: decide to go with? Well, I, I used, I'm on Tinder. Um, I'm on Hinge. And then I also decided to use Mutual because I figured that would be where I would meet people that are kind of more uh, similar interests as me. Um, but that one's a little bit more difficult because, obviously, anybody that I meet on there um, – is going gonna, is gonna to be attending church. And my favorite part is in the actual um, bio, you can put if you have an active temple recommend or not. And so I just think that's really funny <laughs> that you look through somebody's profile and, oh, he goes to the temple? Okay. <laughs> And, and, and of
0: course, you're looking for people who aren't going to the temple, right? Exactly, yeah.
2: <laughs> so I look for the people that are not active, recommend at the moment.
3: <laughs> oh my gosh, Meg, you were going to weigh in. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. It's, it's actually pretty common for people in like a transitional space or a nuanced space or even a post Mormon type of space to get on apps like Mutual. So I see this mm-hmm. all the time. I know people who meet people who are like, weird with the church or on the edge with the church or not in the church because you know some of the things to what you're saying jaren is they have similar values they're in a similar mm-hmm. space there's a lot of people in utah county on mutual right. um and there's a lot of people losing their faith in utah county on mutual and so it's not a bad place to be in your situation it's just more difficult to navigate all apps are really right. difficult to navigate but that one's you know has some unique difficulty mm-hmm. right has anyone
0: uh, thought of starting a post Mormon kind of an app or you know nuanced where you can say I have that background, but I mean idea. idea. Yeah.
3: there is yeah. talk about it as far as the population of post Mormon singles go. I I don't know how effective that would be. I feel like you'd get through you'd swipe through all the people within who you know who right. are <laughs> right. mm-hmm. within your age. Yeah. yeah,
2: I run out of people to match with on mutual, so yeah. <laughs> Well,
1: that's that's true. Now, you actually had um, one of the girls you were dating uh, got you to go to a temple trip for baptisms, right? And you were able to get like a limited use recommend that you, so you, you so you could put on there that you are a temple recommend holder. The no, I, actually, you do for I have <laughs> an active
2: temple recommend. I had to go in and, and get one, um, so I have an active temple recommend at the moment.
1: And the go. Bishop asked you what, uh, cause you, you, are not really going to church. So how, how did that go? Um,
2: uh, well, at the time I, I was, when I was dating this girl, I was going to church with her on Sundays. Um, but so I, I was the only thing that I really wasn't, was an active tithe tithe pair at the time. Um, but I was able to get the, the recommend.
1: Okay. So, so Meg, um, tell us a little bit about, your practice, what you do uh, about Thrive Single, Single Thrive, and some of the activities, and any resources to help my pathetic son. (laughs)
2: Oh
1: my goodness, we're going to edit that out too.
3: (laughs) So Jared's in a really typical spot for somebody in, you know, in his situation in life. So, So I, and I I've been thinking today when I'm preparing for this podcast, I'm kind of wearing three different hats is what it feels like. So I have the hat on of I'm also single, right? I'm over a decade older than Jaren probably. And I'm single. I've been navigating the waters of dating during faith transition and post faith transition. And it is really complex in that situation. That hat off, next hat on is I run Single Thrive. And that's been going on for almost two years now and uh we've grown this you know it's pretty pretty large but uh we meet locally kind of utah county salt lake county area Um, and we do regular meetings, and so that's another hat that I have on that I think will contribute to this conversation, and then the next hat that I have on is more professional, is I run a practice um, that's focused on helping people in their love lives, so I work with people who are single, or you know, working to get married, or who are married, who want to work on their relationship skills, and because I have so much experience with faith transition, I do work with people in in their faith crisis and things, Um, and a lot of those things really converge because I work with people in mixed faith or people like Jaren who are like I don't know how to date anymore because I don't believe this but everybody around me does but I still have these values right so there's so much complexity and I work with that kind of stuff um and it it really all of these hats kind of play together in this conversation so I'm going to be drawing on a lot and maybe telling you which hat I'm drawing from but as far as like the same hat as Jaren is I just want to kind of empathize with you and say like I get it, and it's hard and it's stressful. And especially in my experience, with so much pressure and weight around marriage and relationship in our Mormon culture, and probably with the people around you people probably your age are trying to get married uh, or close to your age. Right. Uh, you know, I'm in my 30s, and you better believe I've seen loads of marriages. I've been to baby showers at this point, and I've seen also divorces right? So there's so much dating going on and seeing it and experiencing it as, you know, just in my own personal experience. um, It's complex, it's hard. And with all that pressure to get married, I've changed a lot of how I actually view marriage, which has influenced my practice. It influences the way that, you know, I, the purpose of how we started creating um, our meaning and our intentions around singles thrive. So, and I want to draw on that because that's going to be a resource. But we single thrive is an all ages or all adult ages group. And so we don't we don't do speed dating like you might see in your YSA. Like I may make jokes uh, that we're like the XMO YSA um, because it does draw, end up drawing a lot of younger people. We have people really of all age ages coming, but it does tend to draw younger people. Um, I may make jokes like that. Uh, But we really try to focus on disentangling this attitude around like everybody must get married. Everybody must be in a romantic partnership um, because some people have been really hurt by that idea within Mormonism. So we try to unentangle that. And so I'm here with all these different hats and all these different ideas. And I want to encourage you in your dating life. And I want to, as a professional and just as, you know, a peer, um, And I want to, like, empathize that, like, it's really hard and there's not really set answers. And, but I'll do my best to provide some resources and also just some camaraderie. So that's, there you go. I think that's where I wanted to start with that.
0: Yeah, the camaraderie is important. And I certainly agree with you on the marriage timetable. It is very real. I was at BYU, I was 25 and not married yet because I had been engaged for a long period of time. That didn't work out. I came out of it going, oh, my gosh, I'm 25. And imagine that in the in the 80s, right? That, right. <laughs> that's horrifying. But there is, there's that idea pushing you and it's external. It's not even internal. Like you feel like, I, you know, I think I'm ready to now have a partner. No, you're told from the outside. And, you know, I have, um, well, I won't talk super personally, but I do um, know um, faithful Mormon uh, young adults who are in that mid-20 range and they're devastated devastated that they are not, you know, everyone else has done that and they feel stuck and and they sort of act stuck. Like they don't make these decisions career-wise or anything else because they're waiting for that accomplishment and then they're going to move on. So that timetable is really real. How do we How do we get that out of our minds and just think, I just want to be a healthy person. I want to enjoy other people romantically, maybe, maybe just friendships, you know, isn't that more important? I I know it's really hard to drive that out of your brain. Even if you're a post-Mormon, you were raised with that. And I I understood that panic of being 25 and a woman about to graduate from BYU. What am I going to do? It's a literal panic attack.
3: I really resonate with that because I was losing my faith while I was a BYU student. While I was in my undergrad for family life, like studying about marriage, (laughs) right? So the layers and it is really stressful and looking around being like, I'm not like the other people here. I wish I were like them, but for whatever reason, I can't figure it out where I was really in the crisis stage and, and then having to also deal with like, well, also I'm learning how to be healthier about relationships professionally in my degree academically Um, and so I also don't want to rush into marriage like the culture does and like, it's just, there's just so many layers. And so, and the thing is, is there is an element of wanting to unentangle and Jaren, I, I don't know that I want to like say this too loudly, but there is an element of wanting to unentangle or disentangle, um, this need to be partnered or this need for relationship. Um, because if we look outside of Mormonism, And if we look at the data, there's data on this. The majority of people still want to be partnered and married. The majority of people, regardless of religion. And so this is a a want, a desire for the population in general. And so it's really, I think there's a lot of delicacy when we're talking about like, let's throw out this idea of having to be in a relationship or wanting to be married or whatever, because we can just be happy and single on our own. And in a lot of ways in my personal life, I currently feel that way. OK, I'm deconstructing a lot of things and whatever. And I think solo partnership and self-partnership is really important. And I think this is a huge element when you're trying to disentangle this is to learn solo partnership or self-partnership is learning how to really like yourself and build a life and, and actually do the things that maybe you've I, I did this so much in my 20s is all sorts of things that I put off. And I said, oh, I'll wait until I'm married for that. And I kind of put my life on hold in a lot of different ways that I think about it now. And it's a little bit painful. And and I understand my, you know, I understand why that happened then. But to be able to kind of try to not put your life on hold, do the things that you would want to do, even knowing that you may or may not be partnered soon or ever, while also not necessarily kind of squashing that entire desire that's so natural for most humans right? It's really normal to want to be partnered. It's really normal to want love and to want intimacy physically or relationally. Those are really normal things. And I don't want to say like, we have to completely undo that and get rid of our desire to be partnered. Even though there's some really good stuff that you can learn, trying to lessen the pressure of like, everybody around me is getting married at 22. Straight off their missions, and now I don't have any. This I mean, this is super common. Now I don't have any of my friends because they're. I literally had someone recently just tell me that they lost all their friends to marriage, basically, which is you know who are just still living just across the across town, and they're like, we'll just get married so you can join our friend group, right? There's so many dynamics like that, and someone so said that to my son the other day.
0: He's in his mid twenties, and they said, why don't you just get married and then you can start doing stuff with us again. You must have
3: been the what one kind who, of pressure
0: is that? That's horrible.
3: Right. And then when when we're under pressure, especially in re, in relational or social settings, we tend to make decisions that aren't necessarily great for us long term.
1: And, and I, I, I think uh, that one thing, especially in the Utah culture, is, you know, if, if, if you're outside Utah, and you go to college, you, you know, you've got the same classmates, you're in the same class with all of those all throughout the you you know, until you graduate. Uh, But in Utah,
0: freeze Landon,
2: (laughs) we're
0: losing him, we're losing him. him. (laughs) I think what he's trying to say is, you know, in the real world, you would probably not be expected to get married in college. That's not a thing. Those are your college days, friends, community, all of that. Get into your career, buy a house, you know, get into your next second better job. And then Maybe the partner thing starts. It's only here where it's like, no, just throw all caution to the wind, you know. But we do know people that do that successfully, so I, it's it's yeah, very well, interesting. You're back, you Landon. Now, Sorry, you were gone we, for we've a We've got a
1: tornado going outside here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah, the internet just kind of going in and out. But uh, oh. Yeah, I you know in Utah though, right from when you're 18, all of a sudden all the friends you went to high school with they start disappearing, uh yes. and it used to be just the guy friends, but now with the girls going on missions, both the guys and the girls disappear. And then they show back up two years later, or even if you're you're staying here, new people come back from a mission that you might know, but then they, within six months to a year, they're all married and gone again. So it's really hard to have any stable relationship when the friends that you have just keep disappearing out of your life consistently.
2: Yeah, that's one of the biggest struggles I've had at the moment is all those friends disappearing. Um, and also you're spot on with the whole getting married right away thing. Like a lot of people around me are getting married and I'm only 19 and even I feel the pressure to get married. And it's like, I'm so young. I don't even need to worry about it yet, but it's something that I do constantly think about, um, just cause it happens so often around me at work today. I had a, a friend tell me that they're in his, in his YSA where there's 22 people that are getting married over the summer. And so to me, that's just a crazy, crazy number of people that are getting married. um, And so but I will say, um, like you were saying, Meg, trying to focus on that relationship with yourself. That's something that I have been trying to do a lot more with myself at the moment, just because I'm, I'm kind of starting to realize that I need to I need to slow down and relax. Like I'm 19. Now is the time where I need to focus on myself and then focus on marriage, you know, a little bit later. And you, like you said, I don't have to completely throw that away, but that's something that doesn't need to be the main focus at the moment.
3: (laughs) Well, and I think that's a good perspective on it. And I think as a 19 year old in the situation that you're in surrounded by a lot of members who are, you know, really soul focused on marriage, post their missions, it would be really probably impossible not to get sucked up in some of that pressure. So I just want to, you know empathize with you and say like it's really normal if you're feeling that pressure um and also it's a good perspective to know that like oh like maybe i can widen my perspective here let's look at the world so the average age for marriage is upper 20s i think it's like 27 and 28 right now for women and men respectively and so you've got time i'm also you know well enough over the average age for a first marriage and there is this whole narrative that says that that might make me defective, or that might make me all of these different things, right? And when we're talking about average, so I'm a human development was uh, my major. So when we're talking about averages for like a mile, a childhood milestone like walking, is if 50% of the children are walking by this certain age, and it's still very, very normal for kids to start walking after that. Right. They're not developmentally delayed. And so that's I I like to kind of apply that kind of attitude toward marriage because it's actually so then there's plenty of data about like when is prime time to get married. You know, to help you be happy and to help protect the longevity of your marriage. It's not young. It's a little bit older. And there is kind of a cutoff where it starts plateauing, but. The younger that we see people get married, there tends to be more risks and there's nothing really wrong with risks morally. So I don't ever put a moral, I'm not going to like call someone, oh, that's so bad that you're, that's so wrong that you're getting married at 22 or something like not at all. Lots of people do that and they can have a successful relationship, but there are risks to it. And with most things, high risk is high reward, but not with relationships and so a lot of what I do professionally is just try to teach people about the risks and then when people are doing things in their dating life or maybe even getting married quickly or really young is learn how to protect yourself so maybe you do meet somebody in like a few years like a couple years and it's the person and you know and you date them for a while and you're going to get married maybe below the age where the data says like oh this is like kind of the best age range to get married maybe you do that but you can do a lot of things to protect your relationship, so that you can avoid some of those risks. You know, behind the theory of why getting married younger is a little bit more risky. That's and there's lots of data I, on this.
2: I didn't know that the the age range that you said the average age for getting married is twenty-seven to twenty. I didn't know that. So that definitely gives me a lot of hope.
0: <laughs> you're you You're almost ten years on. I know. I'm seriously. Yeah, exactly. have you have a lot of things to do. That's right. Graduate. <laughs> your career, adventure, all that kind yeah. of stuff. You have quite a bit to do. Um, so what do you think, Meg, about the message? Certainly is the predominant message in you know with the church and where we are is exactly opposite of those stats for a successful marriage that you described. There was just a worldwide youth um, fireside that President Oaks gave where he said, get married young, don't be afraid, don't worry about education, have children right away. Then ironically, he turned to his second wife and said, do you want to weigh in on this? And she started talking and I thought, you know, she is his, she, he's her first marriage. She was not married till her early fifties and doesn't even have children. (laughs) So I just thought it was so interesting, but the message was even stronger than I've heard it recently. Do it. You've got to do it now and you've got to have kids. I mean, what, what do you make of, of that? Just this increased push, I think it seems to be.
3: Well, and I don't know if I can necessarily theorize of what these church leaders are are doing or saying this for. In some ways, I think that the push to partner people does create some um, like solidification for things like endowment, for things mm-hmm. like. Getting a little bit more integrated into the the LDS system, so I do think there could be pushes like this. It's also kind of going back to traditional values, which in years past, the I mean, the age for marriage has increased over the years, not as much as we think, right? So there's been a right. lot of that are like, oh, it used to be super normal for people to get married when they're teenagers. That's really never been the case, and so and so there's myths like that that, as an educator, I would really like to debunk. But when we're looking at um, okay. Let me, let me see if I can come back to this. Thought. So when, <laughs> which hat do you have on right now <laughs> <laughs> or all three of them, right? You're juggling them yeah, all. That's kind of my single post foreman <laughs> hat, kind of, right? So, um, refresh me on this question. Cause I really want to make sure I get to this thought that I'm simmering on.
0: I think I had a couple different questions. I just wondered what you thought about the push here, where we are to get people to partner up, couple up, you know, it it. could have to do with not making a
3: moral, you know, bad decision. There's a pressure for that too. All of that. So I found it again. So, so there's this um, study, and I can't remember what the title of it is, but it basically outlines what um, makes sense, what order to go in that actually makes sense and protects your future. If you decide to partner Um, and It's just an order of operations and there's not ages necessarily connected to this particular study. So it's to be able to graduate and get some training before and get some kind of settled financial situation and then to be partnered permanently, like with something like marriage and then to have children. So this succession of events is uh, really healthy and helpful um, for people to protect their relationship lasting and to be in the best interest of any children that might come along with it. Um, and so you think about, and it's not necessarily a college, it can be trade school, it can be whatever, um, but we do see that people who are, um, and I'll say it the opposite way, having children before they're married, um, having getting married before they have any kind of education or ability to support themselves financially um or if they especially if they don't have a degree like a ged um those those situations tend to be really problematic as far as how it affects their lives and then eventually probably things like the welfare system and where our tax dollars goes to support people whose families fall apart um, so that's a really important factor to think about, like, going in this order. And so where there's a the push to basically see strollers on a university campus, right? That's, in essence, what it sounds like President Oaks was saying is, like, have these babies right away, get married as soon as you're off your mission, which a lot of mission, mission presidents push for and a lot of parents push for. Um, that's not, in essence bad or negative, because there's some data that says like, you know, to, to get into a relationship kind of younger, or when you're very much forming your life still can be good in the sense of you create a foundation with another person, rather than each having your foundation and having a lot of conflict trying to build <laughs> those together, right? So I see this all the time, in later marriages, in second or third marriages, um, or, and it, it there are unique, um complex or or complexities with with that situation so they're in some senses and and the words that we use for this is um using a marriage as a foundation or a cornerstone versus a capstone ironically the same word cornerstone is used for this and that's very familiar in our little my mormon tingles are going off um (laughs) But in the sense of having a cornerstone or a foundation of, oh, both of us are a little bit younger and we're going to build our life together versus marriage is the last thing after we have our life together to put on top, there's arguments really both ways. And it's just really not about what's right or wrong because data, social, especially in the social sciences, don't tell us that. Social sciences are so deeply complex and nuanced. And so I I just wouldn't ever turn anybody away um, unless they're getting married as a teenager or unless they're p- partnering with someone significantly older than them when they're very young, especially when their brain is not developed, which re- data is showing is probably closer to 30 than mid twenties, which we've most all been taught. So there is some data to suggest that, you know, you, it's really, really risky as a teenager and as someone very young in their twenties to get married. And that risk kind of drops off around 24, 25. And then it starts getting safer to marry. And then around early thirties is when it starts getting slightly more risky, it just basically plateaus off. for, and this is for first marriages. It's very different when we look at later marriages, or second, third marriages. Um, so in this sense, it's it's just not it's just not right or wrong what age you get married at. But there's a lot of factors to consider. Like, do you have an established way to be able to care for yourself? potentially a partner if anything happens to them, potentially children if those come along. Um, Those are really important factors to consider when you're thinking about partnering, whether it's permanent or not. Um, And then the other factor I think that a lot of us don't necessarily think of that I teach a lot about is our neurology, is uh, literally our brain does not finish cooking until mid to late 20s. And a lot of people are making formative decisions that affect the rest of their lives in this time period. Now, it doesn't make it a bad decision. It just means that if your prefrontal cortex, which is the last part of your brain to cook, that helps you make decisions, it helps you have good judgment calls, if that's still underdeveloped, which it is for basically everyone in their 20s, and you're making serious life decisions like who you want to live with and partner with for the rest of your life and potentially even children coming along... That there could be some deficits in those decision making in that in that decision making period. Now, it doesn't mean we can also think physiologically that if we want children to come in the world, like people in their twenties are very very technically physically the best at that. Um, and so that's something to consider as well. People who really are drawn to the idea of families, which loads of people are, um you know can take that into consideration but wanting a child is not a reason to get into a relationship that's not going to be good for you
1: i i can definitely confirm that all the data i've seen is that uh uh, jaron's brain is not fully developed (laughs) you're
0: saying jaren is still cooking she
2: just went through all of that that and that's what you came up with
0: (laughs) your dad you know what we're gonna edit him entirely out of this episode because that's what you're saying he just
2: gave so much information that was great to hear (laughs) yeah oh
0: believe me we're going to hear it in the comments. We're going to hear Landon, you be nice to your son. He's adorable. We're going to hear that. I guarantee it. So. I, I want to
1: ask a little bit different way though here is because you growing up in the church and whatever you always hear. Oh, well, as long as you're both joined in the gospel and you both have a, a common goal for that uh, you, you can get along with just about anybody. And so, you know, go on your mission, come back, find a girl, get married. And and tie yourself to the church, and that's that's kind of the way they build things. What things, for those who are no longer part of the church, what values or what things do you teach that they should be looking for in a partner or developing to find out who the right person is? What What should they be looking for other than they have a sweet testimony?
3: Oh, sweet spirit. Um, so that's a really good question. It's a really huge question. Um, and I want to answer it in a couple of different ways. So to your first point where the church did really teach us like any two righteous people can have a lasting successful marriage. Uh, when I'm going to put my was Mormon hat on, like when I was Mormon and studying relational science um, and really kind of undoing some of the harmful messages that the church teaches about marriage and family while I was at BYU. Okay. And this is pre faith crisis. Um, I'm doing this like on my mission and I'm like, like the lock your heart type of talks and different things. And that particular talk, um, I I'm not, I'm going to totally butcher any of the details, but that particular talk, um, if you go on and actually read it more thoroughly, it doesn't it's like that's the catchphrase that we've all caught from it that we just you know Mormons just say and say but the actual talk says that it goes more into more depth it doesn't actually say that simply in a way that's actually a little bit more relieving and that I hope that anyone who's like a little bit maybe more LDS than I I might be right now um hopefully will go and read that talk and say oh actually maybe it's a little bit more complex and more nuanced than that and maybe I can get a little bit more educated hopefully from people from professionals to try to maybe navigate this in a way that uses both your heart and your mind, or if you're a religious person by study and by faith. Right. So I work with people all across the faith spectrum and it matters to me to when I'm talking to someone who's post-Mormon or when I'm talking to someone who's Mormon or more Mormon than post-Mormon that basically everything I teach across the board, even if I might use a different language to teach it is basically the same. Um, and because I, I'm never, I would, if I'm working with a, a client who's Mormon, I would never tell them that like, oh, like you're set, you both are going to the temple on the same type of basis. Like you both have a, a good testimony. Like you both are ready to like make all your covenants. So go for it because you prayed about it and you felt like it's true. And you, when you know, you know, like when you know, you know, it's not good advice really at all. um, And, and it's not good advice to act on quickly is what I mean by that. You might know, and that's great, but there's so much more to do in preparation to make sure that you're in a good relationship that's healthy and a good fit for you. Um, and so this is like a huge part of my life work is, I mean, I could sit here for 20, 30 hours, just telling you, like what do I teach my clients to, to really focus on, but I'll try to boil it down. Um, when it comes to, I mean, there's all sorts of things that you want to to look out for. When it comes to compatibility, um, a lot of people focus on like, oh, are our religious values the same? Are our religious beliefs the same? Is our devotion the same? That's actually a really important thing to learn in a relationship. So, And it's not necessarily about being exactly the same. It's usually about having similar values or similar devotion to your belief system. So I could see somebody who's like, casually kind of casually Mormon ish to play on your podcast um, who doesn't really care that much about it. Isn't that invested, but really still identifies with it maybe even believes it um, to date somebody who's like casually Jewish. Right. So that actually, because they're both a little bit casual about their belief system, that might be a good fit. And then a little pin in that because these two people are going to change for the rest of their lives. So who knows what, knows what will happen, which is what we see all the time in mi- mixed faith relationships um, is one person, you know, 10 to 18 years down the line she has a change in their faith. So but when it comes to forming partnerships or, you know, what do we want to look for in a partner? is there's loads of red flags to avoid. And all these red flags are the same ones I would teach anybody regardless of their beliefs to avoid. And so some of these red flags that you wanna avoid, I'll go over some of the biggest ones, um, is somebody who does ha- hasn't an, any insight into themselves or others. So they have little to no insight of how the behavior affects other people, if they're self-aware or not. Huge, huge red flag if somebody doesn't have that awareness another huge red flag that you want to look out for regardless of what you believe is if somebody doesn't have great emotional management and so that's learning about how to lean into the discomfort of your feelings accept that you're having a feeling label it cope with it healthily and then learn to let it go and that's i mean i could be here for hours talking about just that um and then you want to look for somebody who has really good relationship skills Uh, and a good character around their relationship skills, because we can weaponize really healthy relationship skills. We've seen that actually recently on some celebrity news. And so we want to be really cautious that we have skills, but that we also use it with good character and good conscience. And those things can be really hard to discover about a person, especially when we're really inundated with all these love, crush, infatuation feelings. And so I teach a lot of people to kind of pump the brakes slow it down pace your relationship in a way that you've spend a lot of time we call it the three T's time talking togetherness to really understand what somebody's like. So you can see are am I am I sweeping red flags underneath the carpet because it's just really nice to feel this good in the companionship. Right. So so we talk all about that pacing there. And I talk about that regardless of what somebody believes. Um But really, when it comes to the compatibility aspect of things, what we really want to look for, and this is, I mean, this is like coming down off of a 30,000 foot view straight into just compatibility, is we're looking for three general, three or four general aspects of compatibility. It's your personalities want to be congruent with each other. You want your values to be extremely aligned. This is actually the most important one according to the data. Um, and you want your lifestyle to also be congruent and you want to have chemistry and a type of chemistry that's not like out of control, that usually indicates some problems. Um, and I could say 8 million things about each one of those things I just said. And so, so where to start and begin on your question, just, just really tricky because it's just such a huge question. Um, but you want to look for regardless of your beliefs, you want to look for someone who has similar values to you. And that takes a lot of effort to actually understand. I would say, yes,
0: I find, and I had this experience too. You have similar values. You're in the church. You think you have similar values, I guess I should say, but especially in the church, you find out there's a huge range. I remember when I first got married, of course, I was raised no TV on Sunday. So first apartment, first Sunday together, married, come home from church kick off the shoes my husband turns on the tv i mean it was horrifying i could i couldn't believe it how did i not know this about this person that he was a tv watcher you know i said what are you doing he said well my family we always watch tv on sunday doesn't everybody you know of course i converted very quickly to the idea of watching on tv on sunday but and that's kind of a humorous example but then you go go along, and I think once you have kids, that's when your values can really start butting heads. And even that soft religious difference, you know, what if you're no, of course, my child is going to now be taught in the Jewish, well, wait, I didn't think you cared about being Jewish. My child's gonna be, you know, those are the issues, but you're never really taught to discuss those ahead of time. And then you have teenagers and you know, whole new myriad of problems. And my husband and I experienced this where we looked at each other and said, well, what do you mean? Of course, we're not going to do that with him. Well, yes, this is what we're going to do with him as a teenager. You know, it was a huge, it's like, I don't even know you. You know, <laughs> So there are all different kinds of things in life that come up that, you know, it's hard to anticipate, especially as a young person getting married. And I guess maybe really focusing on those shared values. If you can talk, I think that's what you're saying is there's got to be a way to communicate and, and at least lay the groundwork going forward to be able to communicate on those differences.
3: Right. Well, and to put like kind of my personal single person hat on is you, what you're saying about like you just how can you anticipate all of this come up or how do you know what to even talk about or which values that you yeah. did or didn't get to or all of this? I I literally have a list in my phone that has like things to learn about a potential future partner before get going official. For me personally, well, and I've drawn like largely on my professional experience, right? To compile this list. It is eons long. It's super long. And it's in-depth it's in-depth topics. It's really tough topics to talk about. And it's stuff that is gonna bring up probably triggers, passion, disagreements, all this stuff. And that's the stuff I want to learn before I'm, you know, committed to somebody, because I understand that in the future, if those things aren't talked about. And a lot of things, there's just going to be a lot of things that will come up when they come up. But a lot of these things people just neglect to talk about. Well, we just feel this just feels really right. Or this just feels like, you know, a good choice. And I prayed about it or whatever. And, And then you get to the point where you're having major disagreements over something that you didn't understand that you saw so differently. That's very common, regardless of if you do a ton of work. But the more work that you do on the front end, which that's everything I'm about, is preventative. Um, the more work you do on that front end, the more likely that you've maybe already worked through number one, how to do conflict and disagreements, but also number two, that you're hopefully more or less on the same page with the things that matter the most. And it's hard to yeah, do but- that. When you have a crush and you just want to talk and yeah. kiss. Good time. Twitter it. yeah. So you're mm-hmm. saying that one date to the
0: temple and then you propose—that's not going to cut it. There's no way. That you're... No, <laughs> but we see really that, good. right? Just a few weeks. I personally know people that did that, and I'm just thinking, wow, And, and it's so have interesting.
1: A, more criteria than just is she hot?
0: Should you go... though? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was
2: going
1: to say. I mean, I...
0: <laughs> Jaron's like, I don't know if I can be on board with that. Dad, that's pretty I, important. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes well, it and now. I think. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I think there's also sort of a generational component where you now find kids who have been raised by what are called immature parents, you know, which are I, I actually found that book in my adult son's bedroom. I'm like, well, who are you talking about? Who's an immature parent? (laughs) Oh, me? (laughs) But I think that's kind of what it talks about. And then it's generational. And then you have these kids as young adults that were raised by parents that were just not quite equipped in certain ways. Although the love was there, they just weren't equipped perhaps to raise them in a way, so then those kids are struggling with that, then they try to form partnerships. You know, it's almost like the advice and things that you're saying, Meg, can help stop that cycle and, and create much more healthy people going forward in, in every way you look at it.
3: Well, and that's to what Jaron was saying before is creating a relationship with yourself can help to actually reparent yourself. So if you come from a home with emotionally immature parents or with a dysfunctional home, a lot of times, one of the big mistakes that people will make getting into relationship is they'll look for someone to meet their needs rather than really building themselves or, um yeah, really knowing who they are. And so part of becoming an adult, part of emerging adulthood is actually learning who you are. And instead of really immediately forming your life, like indefinitely with somebody else is reparenting yourself in a way that you can get your sure footing instead of maybe like stepping on someone's else's feet to walk you along or having a a parent- parentified relationship with your romantic partner. So that's going to cause problems down the line for sure.
2: And yeah, I definitely have so to work good. a what lot do you on think, myself. Having, yeah. uh,
3: Sorry. I cut you off. Sorry I you just again. was
2: going to say, I definitely have to work a lot on myself having such a, uh, uh, an emotionally mature dad. So <laughs>
0: <Here you laughs> open
2: the door that's right. up, I was like, here it comes. Right. up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Boom. That's right. Well, Jaron gets his shot. That's right. So <laughs> from your perspective, Jaren, what do you think about all this amazing advice uh, Meg is giving, aside from saying, Can you text me your list, right? I mean, what <laughs> what a bonus there. That's what do you think about all this?
2: Yeah, it's definitely a lot of helpful information. Um, the big thing that I've had a problem with, um, so you're saying like your values have to be the same and it's never necessarily that like when I get, when I'm talking to someone that our values aren't the same, it's just the, it's really right now, it's the the religious aspect that kind of gets in the way. Because um, with the previous relationship that I had, um, when we first started dating, Um, this person told me that like, they wouldn't think of me any differently, um, if I don't go to church and don't believe in God. Um, but then by the end of the relationship, she broke up with me, um, because God told her to, and that she needed to focus on, um, on her faith and religion. And so that kind of backfired on me. And so now anytime I talk to a a new person that I know is a member of the church, I kind of go, well, maybe I should. I don't specifically come out and say, well, I don't go to church because we usually hang out in group settings and everybody around me will be talking about their mission or church or whatever. And I don't unless specifically asked, I usually don't just come right out and tell people that I'm not a member of the church, because usually when I tell people that it kind of scares them off um, and they don't want to talk to me anymore. And so. I, I, sometimes I talk to people and I'll, I'll kind of hang out with them for a week or two before I even tell them that I'm not a member. So hopefully they'll kind of get an idea of the person that I am before they're so quick to judge on, you know, the, the fact that I don't go to church.
3: Yeah. You're talking about some really complex stuff and some really mm-hmm. painful stuff. I've been in your shoes in a lot of different ways and it's hard, um, It's really I mean, I mean, it's hard on so many levels. So it's hard because you're you're worried in your normal social life as like a normal college kid that if you actually show up authentically, people are automatically going to shut you down romantically and in friendships. That's so scary because you want to be able to be yourself, but you understand how much it affects your social circle. And I just want to acknowledge that for you and for anybody else who feels that same way, that this is happening to loads of people and it's not fair. And it's also like, in a lot of ways, it's, you know, these people should, should, you know, treat you better, treat people better. Um, And in a lot of ways, the way that they've been conditioned and socialized isn't going to allow them to. And that's heartbreaking, because I don't think it makes them bad people. And I think it is really sad to see the close-mindedness and not allowing that. And I will say with that, kind of on the other side of that same coin, you. I hope that you do find, or hopefully, you already have found some people who actually just accept you fully as how you should, like in exactly how you show up and who you are. Um, and there's hope for that, and I know that because I I've maintained friendships with people. I've been I've not been in the church for years and years, I've maintained friendships with people in the church from past wards who fully believe are TBMs. I really don't maintain friendships with people who aren't don't have nuance and aren't like queer supporting and things like that. Um, but there's a lot of people who are millennials and younger, especially who are a little bit more nuanced than that stuff. And there are people who are fully okay with how I show up. And actually there are people who can engage in conversations if they say something kind of off or kind of icky that they don't realize that might actually hurt somebody in my position. I've been able to speak up and they've been able to take it really well. So I just want to provide that hope because I know it sucks. And that, uh, to the other side of the coin, there are Mormons who are can actually be okay with it. And also there's a whole slew of people who have never been Mormon or who maybe are post-Mormon or more nuanced who are going to actually be fully okay with you. And that's for friendships and for romance. But it does suck. It is hard. <laughs> Would you I'm suggest...
1: Tell us a little bit about Thrive, uh, Single Thrive. How, where is it? Uh, I know it's not all over the country. It's probably not even all over Utah. Maybe it is. But uh, what what activities, how do people learn about it? How do people know what you got going on? Uh, that kind of thing.
3: Sure. So Single Thrive is really local. Um, we so... I just, myself and another person, we just kind of threw it together because we recognized the need. There's a lot of people in situations like Jaren's, situations similar to mine, where people are just like, I don't know where to make community uh, with my new beliefs. I want people who are like-minded, who might share my values. And there's a whole spectrum of values in Mormonism and in post-Mormonism. So not, I mean, it's going to be hit and miss who you find. Um, but for Singles Thrive, our our purpose is gathering. Our purpose is not for dating, uh, so we would just want people to be able to form connection with people who are in a similar spot of life. Um, and singlehood has its unique challenges that people like to talk about, and so and that's not usually all what people talk about. So we started. We used to have a location in Provo, and so we would meet there regularly. We would do game nights and, and various events. Um, and now because our committee is kind of all over. Um, Salt Lake in Utah County and I've moved a couple times since we started. Um, now we're just kind of like a little bit more loosey-goosey on where we're meeting. We don't have a, a set location. So a few of the things that we do have going on currently is we have um, a woman who does a regular dinner group and I actually I wrote this all down so I could tell you guys. Um, the upcoming, her upcoming dinner group is Monday in Provo on July 30th at the Wingers. Um, and all that information is on our Facebook event or our Facebook group called Singles Thrive. Uh, we have somebody who organizes hikes and they're doing a hike this Saturday with fresh fried donuts. I'm not exactly sure how that's gonna happen, but they're gonna do fresh donuts. That sounds bad. That's amazing. Um the saturday evening um there's like someone gathering a group to go to the zoo um for like a mixer there's um the big kind of a big event that uh you know we're kind of handling on like a higher level is we're gonna do a game night karaoke night at a house in pleasant grove that we have connections to um this big lovely hosting house that we're just gonna go have a party and um meet other people and you go there and you might, you might meet friends. And that's really what we encourage is like, come meet friends, make connections, go hang out outside of this. Cause it's really hard to be alone with this, especially if you're in the middle of deconstruction you really want to talk things out. Um, we don't encourage anybody to, to date, like come with the attitude that you're going to get somebody's number and take them out. And also we understand that sometimes that happens. Um, And so be safe, be consensual and, you know, Please don't cause problems. Uh, that's kind of our attitude with that. Um, but we just we're not a dating group, but we do like to get together just you know for game nights or we have an annual Grinchmas party every December just to kind of like laugh at religiosity a little bit and just celebrate the Grinch and whatnot. Um, and we we like to do things like that. Is a little bit um, with all the changes that we've had recently with a location change and and personally where I live. It's a little bit more loosey goosey, but what we really encourage, especially right now in this transition phase, is anybody who wants to get a group together um, to do it. So if there's a, enough people in Idaho, like I want them to be like, hey, we're all in Idaho, we're all in this phase of life, let's go out to brunch. Or if there's, I actually have been hearing this quite a lot, and Jaren, maybe you can help with this, is I'm always getting parents of people around Jaren's age Or people, you know, in college who are like, I want to come to this, but it feels like it's maybe a little bit too old for me or like, right. Yeah, that's definitely the thing.
2: Yeah, that was going to be my question about it.
3: You don't probably want to hang out with a bunch of people in their 30s. And that's totally normal. And I don't want, frankly, I don't want a bunch of 30 pluses to be hanging out with a bunch of teenagers, right? There's problems with that. We don't want to repeat Joseph Smith, et cetera. And... Not that we haven't seen that NRX Mormon community, because we have. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's problematic. So, I mean, you know, you just come from your roots, and then you go very well. So, um, what we like, what I would love to see is a lot of self motivation. Right, <clears throat> this is like. We have support from Thrive. They help us out with locations sometimes and financially. So we have, you know, we can do fun things. Um, And also, this is completely volunteer-led. I just did this on a whim, accidentally landed being in charge of this. So um, if there are motivated people who are like, actually, I want to do like a regular thing or just a one-time thing, we've encouraged that. I would love to see somebody around Jaren's age kind of pick up that torch and be like, we're going to do activities for just like university age students. Right. Where we just, you know, like once a week we go to the park and play spike ball or whatever it is. So you can have like this kind of confidential space where you can vent about church stuff or just make friends who are closer to your age, closer to your, you know, similarities with where you're at with your faith. I would love
0: singles thrive get that information out like say someone like Jaren said you know what I want to I want to just have a yeah like a volleyball game at the park and could they contact you and say hey there's going to be a younger singles group UVU and we're going to meet I mean is that a a, could you be a clearinghouse for something like that is that kind of how you operate your Facebook page is that kind of the point of contact.
3: So our Facebook page is our best point of contact. You can okay. always contact me if you if you have some idea you want to get resources and coordinate or like use me kind of as like an advisor of sorts. But like don't invite her; she's too old. That's do that, please do that. <laughs> um, I I'm not that interested in going either, right? Like so so <laughs> to I mean,
0: I'm to be honest,
3: yeah, happy <laughs> to, right? But I'll leave you guys see. And so. So I can, I'm happy to be involved as, you know, much or as little involved as I, as I'm able to, I'm happy to do that. What we have, what I encourage people to do is just to take ownership. So, and this is the struggle with generational differences is our Gen Zers are not on Facebook and this is a exactly. big And yep. so our, we're most robust on our Facebook page um, because Facebook pages have the best ability to create events. And so we do all of our events there. And that's, you know, if you want to get the word out, hey, I'm doing a thing, that's where we do it. One thing that I have in mind to do that I think actually might create a little bit more cohesion, and might be easier for the younger generation, Jaren, you tell me, is um, creating, like within groups now, they have ability to do a lot of different chat threads. So like if we did like a Youngers, we could do like a Youngers single thrive, single thrive and have just like, hey, like I'm headed to Dairy Queen, like come you know, hang out, um, and we just have it on a messaging thread instead of having to go into a Facebook app, which I just don't think uh, kids, Jaron's age, have on their phone either. Yeah, he but reminds me of that
1: Facebook. all no. the
2: time when I'm
1: on. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah. What's
3: Facebook? <laughs>
2: yeah. No, yeah, no. Facebook, A messaging thread would definitely be a lot easier because I, yeah, I'm an I'm an Instagram user, and yeah. but you can't you yeah. can't create groups on Insta because I because right. I've actually looked um to try and find groups, but on Instagram you can't do that. It's just personal users. And So it's hard to find connections on Instagram. So I will pop on Facebook every now and then. But everything I do find is for older people and whatnot. And so um, so, yeah, that's where it's a a bit harder.
3: I think that's the biggest barrier for people who are a little bit younger. And so we do technically have an Instagram that's called Single Thrive. But the barrier there is that it's not anonymous. It's not confidential Mm -hmm. is if you follow it. Someone could find it and find out your status with the church. And if you're, exactly. if you're a BYU student, BYU students shouldn't be following that, right? Because that that threatens your status at BYU. So not shouldn't be. You can do whatever you want, but that's risky. <laughs> and so, so we do technically have that, but we can't. Like if if there's like someone planning a hike this weekend, I can't whip up a flyer fast enough to put that information there. Like I could screen, and maybe I should like screenshot what's on the Facebook and throw it up on the story but that's, it's just a lot more factors for us to do. So on our, on our Instagram, we post like our main events, like our quarterly or monthly or whatever we're doing at the time events. We'll always have a flyer for our big thing going on and we'll always have it there, but our all of the other things that are just happening, maybe a little bit more regularly or a little bit more from scratch um, or grassroots level rather that's going to be on our Facebook. And so Maybe during what we do, I've I've just gotten this message so much, and no one's really stepped up enough to fill that role of like I'll just spearhead this. If you have some friends, or if you know, if people who are listening to this really want to spearhead like the younger's, I will get the threads created, not thread threads. Like I'll get the Facebook Messenger chats within the Facebook group created for just different demographics or maybe even different locations so that it's easier to find the people who you actually want to spend time with.
2: Yeah. That'd be a great idea.
3: Yeah. I think that sounds great. And seriously,
0: everybody wants this. I was just on ex Mormon Reddit two days ago and I saw probably someone our age posting, Oh my gosh, my son is 20. He's at UVU. He's an ex Mormon. He's alone. What can we, you know, it's parents that are reaching out, seeing that their kids are just, you know, in this situation. So parents, and kids, everybody's all motivated to try to get everybody together. So I was going to ask you probably one last question. Do you think it's beneficial for somebody who's a post-Mormon? For example, I always dress like this. So there's no question where I'm at. It's a very subtle way to say it, right? Nobody has to ask. They don't, you know, whatever. Is there any benefit to somebody like a Jaron age person doing something appearance-wise or, you know, walking around with a Starbucks cup? I mean, just something that says this is who I am up front. Or is that just too alienating? Is there a soft way to make that known at all? I mean, I just, I always find I do this all the time. Well, unless I'm visiting my parents and I put on a sweater, <laughs> but that's a different problem. So <laughs> But I'm saying for people who are comfortably out like that, is there? It almost seems like there should be a high sign, right? Some kind of little something that you could do, so sort of everyone goes, "Ah, oh, you're one." You know, I don't well, know. What do you if think? If Just we so a to connect handshake. in the wild. <laughs>
1: what? If only we had a secret handshake or something. <laughs> oh
0: gosh, stop! But I almost feel like, seriously, in the '80s at BYU and even the late '70s, there were these underground movements of people that were out or people you know different orientations and they somehow got the word out with nothing with no internet with no Facebook it was it was kind of a secret whatever underground so we got to
3: get better at this so that people can connect and find community well so so you're right in saying that there are some ways to project maybe a little bit more about where you're at with Mm -hmm. your faith or lack thereof so like Porn shoulders always the way to go for me as well, or like extra piercings, even though that's not quite the thing anymore because that's like allowed now or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there there are certain things that you can do. Tattoos are one. So I actually have like a really good example of this. It was probably last summer, and a single tribe was at this park playing spike ball and playing playing yard games, and and we were having a great time, and we were leaving, and we just saw the a few people, and we were like they're kind of giving xmo vibes like they're like our age maybe we should like try to integrate them invite them whatever so we go up to them and we're just like trying to catch the vibe like what's happening here like do we want like we don't want to like expose them or whatever and but there's one person who had tattoos and so we found an organic way to kind of be like, oh, yeah, like, we're just a group of post mormon or whatever we said. And they were like, oh, we kind of, we don't really believe the church either. Like, what are you talking about? Kind of like a group. And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're headed to dinner now that games are over. Just come with us. And we all did. Right. It was like a great little communion. And um, so stuff like that can work. And part of me saying that is I'm deeply extroverted. I lead groups like this. I'm very motivated for social connection. And so it's not for everybody. I don't want to put pressure on everybody to like change how you look just to get a friend or like make sure you go approach a person and ask them about their nose piercing or whatever. Right. And like, what's your size at the church if you have a nose ring? And so like that, that can be intimidating for people. That can be maybe inappropriate for a certain situation. So it's not a one size fits all thing. But maybe if you are carrying a coffee cup around, it might strike up a conversation and if you can't, you know, if your social anxiety can manage that, like, have a conversation, see if it builds there. Some people, this is with dating and with friendships, some people just flat out ask or flat out, um, like, self-disclosure can be helpful if you're out enough to just be like, oh, yeah, like, I don't really believe in that or like, oh, I'm really not more men. And then people to Jaren's point, might really push you away. So for some cases, it might be better to say that information until they know you. But for some people, they would rather just like, ah, get it out in the open. And the people who like who I am will draw it closer to me. In Utah County, that's super hard. Um, It's not the thing I- a risk. um, (laughs) It's a risk, but eventually everybody
0: will know who you are, unless you keep your sweater on all the time like I do. So- (laughs) Uh, well, this has been an amazing conversation. Jaron, do you have any final thoughts after listening to all of us older people talk about how 19-year-olds should date, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I I just I think it was a lot of uh super helpful information, a lot of really good insight. Um, a lot that can that can kind of help me kind of with my future, um, see where I need to to head. And also I really liked all the information on on the Thrive. Um, I, that's definitely something I I'd be interested in trying to create a community of people that are, um, you know, the same age as me or close to it, that that want to get together and and hopefully find friendship and connection through that. Oh,
0: that's great. That's perfect. Landon, any final thoughts on being able to podcast with your son, a dream come true, I'm sure.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I give him a lot of crap. That's, that's our, that's our thing. But, uh, I I just want to say, I really am proud of him. He, he's, Going to school, he's paying his own way. He's got a full time job. He just bought a car. Uh, we just bought a car, what about a couple of weeks ago? And he's taking the whole payments. It's all his. He's he's doing the grown up thing. And uh, yeah. uh, so I may give him crap, but I, I really am proud of him. And
0: and Meg, thank you so much. Thank you everybody for joining us for this episode. And please comment if you. Know a young person who is this in this situation? If you are somebody that could help facilitate, um, uh, somehow to to help people make connections. And again, we're not saying dating; we're saying community. We're saying friendship. We're saying getting to know other people. You know, dating happens sometimes, but more importantly is the community and the camaraderie. And if you're in the middle of deconstructing, we all know that can be painful and lonely. And it's great to have friends to talk to. So please comment and let us know what you found that works or if you're willing to put yourself out there and help and connect. Like I said, we're talking about Utah County here specifically, but this is everywhere and groups can form and people can make connections and community can be found. So uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to Mormonish. And if you would like to be notified when new episodes come out, um, you can hit that notification bell. And if you would like to support the channel financially, we did finally figure out, I keep making that joke, but it really was a tough thing to figure out how to, put links to venmo and paypal uh, so that you guys can support us uh financially because we have people asking us that and so again thank you so much jaron thank you so much meg landon again it was awesome and we'll say goodnight again for mormonish thanks everybody Bye. thanks for joining us for another episode of mormonish we really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.